The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But to ignore the fact of sin and, and to not prepare for judgment and not have sins removed, that's a catastrophe, an unnecessary catastrophe. But the statement that the rabbi said there, it shows a very common thinking that sin is a problem of the world. It's the problem of perception. It's a problem of thinking that, well, if there's sin, then it just originated from the faulty society that we live in. All we gotta do is just transform the world, as he said. Change the world, and we'll solve the sin problem. This is the wrong idea that the problem of sin is simply just originated from the world. That's wrong. And society's just going in the wrong direction. All we have to do is, is join the right Democratic Party and then we'll get it all straightened out. But, but it, and if we can get rid of sin, then we can just change the direction of the world. But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree with this conclusion that sin comes from the world. Another lie that people have, that people hold to, is that sin comes from dysfunctional families. And the reason people do sinful things is because they don't have a good upbringing. They just weren't raised right. They weren't raised in good families. When they were growing up, they didn't have good role models. That's where the origin of sin comes from, a bad family, bad social development. That's, that's, the, that's the problem. So all we'd have to do to get rid of sin is just change the families, make them wholesome again. Get rid, get rid of sin, change dads to be good dads, change moms to be good moms, and go back to the good old leave it to beaver days. But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree that the origin of sin comes from the home. And then another deception is when people say, well, sin comes from Hollywood, it comes from the media, all that glorification of murder and war and infidelity and, and hatred, it's all Hollywood. And they're the ones who put all these wrong ideas in our heads. And if we get rid of, if we, do, we can get rid of sin if we just change Hollywood, just have them start making wholesome films again, you know, all with G ratings. But the Bible doesn't agree. Bible doesn't agree with that at all. Now, another exception is where people say, well, sin comes from temptations. That's what it is, it's the temptations. There are so many temptations today. Temptations to take drugs, easy access to drugs all over the place. Temptations from the internet to fall into pornography. Temptations from the pressures, the pressures of life, the stresses, and that's where all sin comes from. That's what the psychologist uh, told my father. My father 
brought me to the head of psychology at UCLA, and he said to him, he says, uh, it was his friend, he says, tell me what's wrong with my boy, you know? And so the psychologist, like I said, he talked to me, asked me a lot of questions, come back to my father, says, Eddie, you know, my father's name was Eddie Cantor, but he wasn't that Eddie Cantor, but anyway. Eddie, he says, the boy is basically good. He says, Tommy is basically a good boy. That was and, and uh, but L.A. is a bad place, you know, and, and so the problem with Tommy is L.A. So you got to send the boy to some place where there's some good, clean air, like Switzerland. Send the boy to Switzerland, and you won't have all these temptations that L.A. has, and the boy will be good. Well, Tommy found plenty of trouble in Switzerland. And the pristine environment of Switzerland was soiled by Tommy. And so this is a common misconception that sin comes from temptations. We just get rid of temptations, change the environment, we get rid of sin. But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree. Why? Because each one of these wrong explanations takes a view of sin like it's an external problem. It's something external to me. It comes from the society. It comes from the family. It comes from the environment. And when a man gives any of these explanations for the origin of sin, the man's acting like the Teflon man. Nothing sticks. In other words, he doesn't take responsibility. The first Teflon man was Adam. You know, Adam went through the whole Teflon man routine with God when God questioned him after the fall in Genesis 3.11, Genesis 3.11, and God said, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat it? And the man makes a full confession. And the man said, okay, I make a full confession. She did it. <laughs> The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me of the fruit, the tree and I did eat. Yeah, good old Teflon Adam. He points the finger. He says, oh God, I confess. She did it. Okay, now, it, that must have been a lovely evening for them that, that night between Adam and Eve. Now, the root problem with acting like the Teflon man is to view sin as an external problem. It was all my parents. It was my school. It was my family. It was my city. It was the society. It was the temptations. And that's the reason for sin. But that's all external and God says, no, sin is not an external problem. Sin is an internal problem. And sin comes right out of the heart of man. Sin comes right out from the inside of man. It just bubbles up and over. It's just like when a person gets upset, he flies off the handle and says, oh, I didn't know I had it in me. Yes, you did. Because what happens when you shake a glass of water, not water, when you shake a glass, what's inside comes out. Now, the reality is, is that sin is a very real personal problem for each one of us, and sin is our own personal problem. And the heart that sees sin as a personal internal problem takes full, complete responsibility and cries out like David did after his sin against Bathsheba and Uriah in Psalm 51.4, when Psalm 51.4, when David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, be clear when thou judgest. You know, David didn't make any excuses. He didn't say, it was a terrible time. It was too much pressure. We were under war. I was under all this pressure. She left her window open. He didn't say any of that. It was just like he, he, David was saying, it was me. It was only me. I sinned against you. I have no excuses except that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And that's what put David on the road to getting help, getting the help from God. And just like the publican, the publican, he felt so bad about himself in Luke 18, 13, Luke 18, 13, that it says the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
You know, when he said that, God be merciful to me, a sinner, that put him right on the road to getting help from God, which the Lord said. He went to his home justified. So the Lord Jesus said, clearly, sin comes from within. It's coming from inside, Matthew 12, 35. Matthew 12, 35. It comes out of the, either the good treasure that's in the heart or the evil treasure that's in the heart. You said in, in Matthew 15, 18, Matthew 15, 18, out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. Luke 6, 45, 6, 45, Luke, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. comes right out of the heart. Right out of the heart. That's the origin of sin and that's what the Bible says about our heart. If we don't think so, then that also confirms what the Bible says in, Luke, in uh, Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, the verse does not just say, you know, some people's hearts is really bad. He's saying the heart, all men's heart, is deceitful above all things. Not, not, just, just, not just deceitful, deceitful above all things. Not just wicked, but desperately wicked. It's a terrible fact. It's a terrible fact. And Anne knows he's guilty. He knows he's guilty. And his heart is crying out for the removal of sins. Just take them away. Remit them. He's crying out for the remission of sins. And all the altars and all the sacrifices and all the observances of the Sabbaths and all the the special clothes that have to be worn and all the restrictions of what can and can't be eaten and all the systematic prayers and all the beads they're all from man's heart, an aching heart that's crying out to have his sins removed. Just like Donna was saying last week about the lady at the wailing wall there when she was trying to reach God by davening, by, by moving back and forth. I've seen it in Japan in front of the Osaka Hilton there when I went out one day and there was a, a, a bronze Buddha and there was a lady there and she was crying and she was crying and she was crying and she was petting the Buddha, and she said, Kodasai, 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 please, please, please. It's this aching heart to have sins removed. But there's only one way. There's, God has only one method that can remove sins, and it's the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Moses says, behold the blood in Exodus 24, 8, Exodus 24, 8. Behold the blood, behold the blood. Now, from where Moses stood on that day, when he sprinkled the people and he said, behold the blood, he was standing at a particular point in history where he was looking forward to the day when the Lord Jesus would shed his blood as the blood of the covenant. But we stand on the other side of that point of history and we look backwards. That's the only difference. He looked forward, we look backwards on the day when the Lord shed his blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. We could say to Moses, Moses, you stood on the, in the day that, and with the symbol of the animal blood, you looked forward to the blood of the covenant. But Moses, we stand here now with the symbol of the wine in the communion, and we now look backwards on the blood that was shed. That's the precious blood. That's the way to remove sin. God, now God has only one condition. He has only one condition for a person to have their sins removed. And the shed blood, the only condition that God has, it's wonderful, because the fact that the Lord has shed his blood for forgiveness, for removal, you know, you know what's really uh, terrible for little kids? I know. What's terrible for little kids is that all the good stuff's on shelves they can't reach. You know, you know when I used to go, when I was a little kid, I was, you know, I, I, I used to, you know, hear about Ivan the Terrible in Russia, and I thought, oh, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to be Tommy the more terrible. And so, 
when I used to go over to people's house, they used to see me coming, and I, I used to see him in the windows quickly putting everything up on the upper shelves, you know, out of reach. And that's what, is, that's what kids think are terrible. All the good stuff's on the, the shelves they can't reach. And you ever see a kid where if something's finally put down at their reach, and they go, oh, last, I can reach it. The shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has now put forgiveness and removal on, of sin on a shelf within reach for every person. Hallelujah for that. The removal of personal sin is now within the reach of everyone because all anyone has to do is Acts 16.31, Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or Romans 10.13, Romans 10.13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just call, that's all. Finally, a reachable shelf. Now, you think back on, on the, those in Israel in that day, they had a lot of work to do. They had to go get animals. They had to watch the animals. And they had, the priest didn't go get the animals. They had to go get the animals for themselves. And then they had to cart it along. Come on now, come on. And they bring this goat, you know, and you know, okay, here it is. You know, okay, good, you know. And, and that's what they had to do. No, not anymore. Now it's just believe, just call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, a shelf that's within reach of everyone. You don't need money to go get goats or whatever to, for sacrifices. So the, removal, the reason removal of sin is now within the reach of every person is because when the Lord Jesus died, he died as a sacrifice for all sins of every person. Hebrews 9.28, Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many. Many means everyone. It's nonsense to think a person would ever hear the words, oh, I'm sorry, I'm terribly sorry, but... Well, the death of the Lord Jesus was not for your sins. It was for another person since you're not on the list. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I'm terribly sorry. There's no such thing as limited atonement. It doesn't exist. You know, Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. He should taste death for every man. That means the Lord, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. His death was for every man. That's why the removal of sins is now within the reach of every person. He tasted death for the benefit of every person to have their sins removed. Romans 8.32, Romans 8.32 said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. For us all. He delivered him up for every person. That's why removal of sins is now within the reach of every person. 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians 5.15 is only four words, but it says so much. He died for all. He died for all. 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us there's only one God. There is one God. There is no Christian God. There is no Judaism God. There is no Allah God. There's just one God. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's the only God. There's no entities. There's no Christianity. There's just truthianity and, and falseianity. That's all. 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, for all. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because he paid the ransom for all. And, and then the Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke of his life as a ransom, as a ransom, when he said in Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28, 
Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his, give his life a ransom for many. Many means all. And when the Lord Jesus spoke about laying down his life, he was emphasizing it was his own free will to lay it down. That's what he said in, in John 10, 17. John 10, 17, he says, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man takes it from me. I lay it down in myself. I have power to t- lay it down, power to take it again. It's very important for us to see that the Lord Jesus Christ voluntarily gave up his life because it showed that he was giving his life as a ransom for all. He wasn't struggling to keep his life for himself. He gave it. And then so, so it says in 1 John 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2, he's the propitiation. Well, what is that? Propitiation means a sacrifice that covers. He's the sacrifice that covers for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person in the whole wide world because his sacrifice not only covers our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. So you put this together, and then you think, that's John 3.16. That's John 3.16. God so loved the world. God so loved the whole wide world that whoever, that that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever in the whole wide world believes in him should not perish. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because God so loved every single person in the whole wide world that whosoever in the whole wide world just believes into the Lord Jesus should never, 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 ever perish, but should have everlasting life that never, 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 ever ends. And John the Baptist made the great proclamation when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time in John 129, John 129, where he said, as it says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away, which removes, which remits, which which taketh away the sin of the world. The removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who who put within reach the taking away or the removal of all sins for the whole wide world. Now, what if I were to tell you tonight that I developed a great new product, and it's so effective, it removes stains from clothes. And it's so great because you apply this product to any stain on your clothes, takes it right out and you apply it to the clothes, and then any future stains are taken out. And you know what I'm gonna call my product? Only once. That's what it's gonna be called. Only once product. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, buy your bottle here. (laughs) You only have to apply it once. That's why it's called only once. You'd be amazed. Well, there is no product like that. There's no OxyClean, there's no nothing like that. But there is an only one sin stain remover. There is an only one sin stain remover, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ's blood. That's right, one shedding of blood, and it removes all the sin stains in the past and all the sin stains in the future, as it says in Hebrews 7.27, Hebrews 7.27, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, for this he did once, only once, this he did once when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9.28, Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was once offered, only once, once offered to bear the sins of many. 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered, only once, 
for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. See, the single bloodshedding of the Lord Jesus has now put the removal of sins within the reach of every person. I mean, just think of the priests. Just think of the job of the priests in Moses' day. They would kill one animal sacrifice, and then they say, oh, where's next? Where's the next one? They'd be looking for the next one. And it was a constant stream of animals, and they were constantly sacrificing millions and millions of animals. But the Lord Jesus Christ died once, just once, as a sacrifice for all men to never, 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 ever be repeated again. Repetition is unnecessary. Repetition is impossible because heaven asks for no more than the only one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to remove sins. And man needs nothing else, no more, than the only one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to remove sins. Now, with this once for all, all man has to do now, all man has to do is just humbly accept and receive, accept and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as God's sacrifice to remove sins. That shed blood is so powerful. It's so powerful, like the hymn says, his precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. I mean, how many times have you spoken to a person trusting in Islam, a Muslim person, person, and you've heard and you've asked the question, how are you going to get to heaven? How are you going to get to heaven? Just tell me, how are you going to get to heaven? How many times have you said, oh, I'm going to trust in the mercy of God? That's what they say. I'm going to trust in the mercy of God. You know what that's called? That's called a presumptuous trust in the mercy of God. It has no foundation. It's a foundationless trust in the mercy of God. It's just presuming that God's going to show mercy at the time of judgment with no basis for assuming that God's going to show mercy. There's no forgiveness. There's no removal of sin from a presumptuous trust in the mercy of God. And how many people will tell you when you ask them how you're going to get to heaven, and, and they're going to say, because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. No good works can accomplish or can earn the removal of sins. Or how many people said, well, okay, I, I've been bad, I know that, but I'm going to reform, I'm going to go on the straight and narrow, I'm going to live a good life now, and, and I'm going to turn over a new leaf, I'm going to start the diet tomorrow, you know, and no future obedience is able to remove sins. There's no amount of turning over new leaves that can remove sins, and it's a miserable life. It's a miserable life to try to reach God and have the sins removed by all these means that can't do it. Because there's no forgiveness, there's no removal of sins apart from the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without shedding of blood is no remission, Hebrews 9.22. And those are sobering words when it says no remission. No, not at all. No removal of sins except by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Very similar to what uh, Simon Peter answered when he was asked, are you going to go away too? And he responded in John 6.68, John 6.68, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We could say as far as removal of sins goes, it's only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where else are we going to go? Because it's only his blood that can remove sins. So we've seen there's just one way to have sins removed. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus. And that's why we say tonight, behold the blood that removes sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving your son so that we could have blood that removes our sins. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for laying down your life so we could have your blood to remove our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.